Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. Coming up next, we're going to talk about the Disneyland Park in Anaheim, California. From the Bob Barley Studio in Orlando, Florida, this is the Diz Unplugged. This is a special edition of the Diz Unplugged, celebrating the 60th anniversary of Disneyland. The Diz Unplugged is brought to you by Dreams Unlimited Travel, experts at helping you plan the perfect Disneyland vacation. Visit them on the web at www.dreamsunlimitedtravel.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show coming to you from the Bob Varley Studio in Orlando, Florida. I'm your host, Pete Warner, joined at the table this week by my good friends, Jenny Lindop. Hey, guys. Tom Bell. Hey, folks. Kathy Whirling. Hi, everyone. Michael Bowling. Hey there. Hi there. Hello there. Corey Martin. I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> Back in the production nook, our associate producer, Craig Williams, yes. along with producer Dustin West, yep. hey. our good friend, Will Perry, and back in the corner, Rhino Clavin. Uh-huh. And uh, again, uh, we might have some continuity issues because we're recording these out of order. Uh, actually, this is the first show going up. Um, so, hi. Yeah, hi. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> Welcome. Uh, of course, uh, Tom Bell, the host of the Disneyland edition of the Diz Unplugged. And, uh, of course, our historian and resident expert on all things Disney, Mr. Michael Bowling. Also a member of the uh, Diz Unplugged Disneyland edition team. So we're really happy to have them out here. And uh, we all did uh, We all did the... Uh, this trip together and uh i have to say that the eight days we spent out there were just i mean it was a lot of work a lot of work but just the best work you can get just the best work you can get even if it did throw my back out for two weeks well you know 12 13 hours a day on our feet carrying equipment and going from place to place um i do want to make sure that uh before we get started I, I do full disclosure. We did work very closely with Disney in putting together most of what you're about to see this week. Uh, they were enormously instrumental in giving us access, uh, especially in the resorts, uh, getting some of the uh, the video and photos we were able to get, the content we were able to get. Uh, I also received consideration in terms of the hotel rooms. So when we talk about certain things, uh, they are not going to be reviews because I didn't pay for them. And we really like to only review things that we laid out money for. Uh, That being said, uh, I'm being very honest here when I say, even if I was reviewing it, had I paid for my room out of pocket, uh, I would have given very, very, very high marks uh, to the hotel. Uh, We we had a great experience. but, But because I did not pay out of pocket... Uh, a lot of the stuff that we're doing where the hotels are concerned are overviews. But today we are talking about, or in this episode, we are talking about Disneyland Park. And we are talking about it mainly because of the 60th anniversary, which happens today, May 22nd. And uh, The celebration and begins today. The right? celebration the begins today. Uh, correct. Uh, May 22nd. Or when you're seeing it, it's today. We're recording it <laughs> another day. So it feels kind of kind of weird and it also feels kind of weird because today 
uh, Tom, Michael, and Craig are in Disneyland mm-hmm. covering the 60th anniversary. So, um, but this is a big deal. Oh yeah, this is a big deal. This is not some, you know. It's it's the, going to be bigger than the 50th, really. In a lot of ways, yeah. Um, yeah. I think you're right. And the number of things that are coming to Disneyland for the 60th mm-hmm. celebration uh, are really exciting. Yeah. And I'm excited. I'm not going to be getting out there until July when we do our Adventures by Disney trip. And uh, why? What are you shaking your head at me for? You're going to miss out. Oh. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'll see this stuff. See, I'll yeah, see yeah. World of Color. Oh, yeah. You know, can't always be there for everything. <laughs> <laughs> Got to let other people do some of this stuff right. too, you know. Can't keep sucking the air out of the room. Um, but uh, Disneyland Park, of course, the original. Uh, as we are often reminded here in Orlando by our <laughs> friends out on the West Coast, Walt walked there. This is the only Disney theme park where Walt Disney actually visited. Was actually there, and one of the things that certainly permeates the experience I think for me and for many other people uh, is you can feel that mm-hmm. presence there there is just something different about it uh, for as much as I love our magic kingdom and I do love our magic kingdom and as much as I love Disneyland Paris and that park and how beautiful it is there is something that no other Disney park will ever ever be able to match and that is the originality and authenticity of this park, I th- I think you know his spirit is in the park, but more than that, his spirit is in the cast members. His spirit is in the guests. The guests are such <coughs> curators of that park. I mean, they they will tell Disney when something's not right. Right, and you know we've mentioned this on the show many times, talked about it many times. Uh, Things are a little different at Disneyland because in many ways it is a locals park. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this has been part of the culture of Southern California since 1955. Everybody pretty much grew up with it. Everybody who lives out there who grew up in California, so especially Southern California, grew up going to Disneyland. Right. It's just what you do. It's just what you do. Uh, you, it, it's, it's a locals park in a way that... Disney World has never become. Not that we don't have locals that love it. I'm one of them that go there. It's just not the same. It's not the same because we didn't grow up with it. And it wasn't so ingrained in the culture, mm-hmm. I think, the way the way Disneyland but doesn't, is. Doesn't it make you sad that you didn't grow up with it? Sure like, it does. You know, that now when I go out there and I see all these things, it's like, you know, as much as I love Walt Disney World, it's like, wow, I wish I could have been here. You know. Well, I think about that a lot. More so at the Disneyland Hotel. How I wish, because my first visit to the Disneyland Hotel was in 2000. And they had demolished everything. And they were, make, they were getting ready to build downtown Disney, the Grand California, okay. California Adventure. All that construction started already. So when I went there in February of 2000, uh, there's just p- p- mounds and mounds and mounds yeah. of dirt. Mm. But to give you an idea of how powerful that connection to history and the nostalgia and the originality of it was, even though the resort was full of mounds of dirt and a small walkway with these big construction walls up that led you from the hotel to the park, I fell madly in love with it. I fell madly in love with it. 
As a matter of fact, John and I, for his birthday, were supposed to go from that trip to Hawaii. And after spending three days at Disneyland, he looked at me and said, I don't want to leave. And we canceled the trip to Hawaii and we stayed. Um, That's when you fall in love with something. And I have been madly in love with it ever since. But I'm a newcomer. I'm a newcomer to the experience, Mm -hmm. especially sitting here with two people who have long histories with Disneyland and at least in Michael's case, a very storied history Yes, definitely. Uh, with Disneyland, which I want to get into in a little bit because I'm going to put you on the spot. Oh. <laughs> Make you talk about things. Um, so uh, Disneyland's, uh, Disney, the Disneyland park, a uh, little bit smaller than the park we have here in, in Orlando and smaller uh, still than Disneyland Paris. Uh, as they built them, they seem to have gotten bigger and bigger. But uh, size is irrespective because uh, what it lacks in acreage, it more than makes up for in charm and creativity and innovation. And you can feel that as you walk around the park. Um, I want to talk about, <clears throat> since most of the people watching and listening are very familiar with our Magic Kingdom here in Orlando, right. I want to talk about some of the differences. Mm-hmm. Uh that you will find out in out in Disneyland versus our Magic Kingdom. What's one of the first things that comes to mind in terms when I say what's different about Disneyland and the Magic Kingdom? What what would you say? For me, I, I you know, I, I like I like going there, but I don't like going comparing okay, their spaceship Earth I mean uh, their um Thunder Mountain versus ours, their Space Mountain versus ours. I like the different things. They have New Orleans Square. They have Toontown. We don't have that here. Um, you can actually go to Mickey's house there. You know, it's the things that we don't have that I, that I'm, you know, really love. But even you know, for me, one of the first things that come to my mind when I think about the difference, I think about Pirates of the Caribbean, right? Because mm-hmm. it is such an extraordinary difference mm-hmm. uh, f- between ours. It's a longer ride. Right. It's a more detailed ride. It's a different experience, especially because built into that attraction is. The Blue Bayou Restaurant, which I certainly have my feelings on, I we all do. Do not like that. Yeah. Is that. it still bad? I, I haven't. I haven't been oh. back. I, it, it's uneven. Oh, okay. There you go. <laughs> it's crap. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm not as polite as Michael. It's crap. If you're going to spend that money, go to yeah, Steakhouse Fifty Five. Steakhouse Fifty Five, absolutely. But you know, as you're as you're doing Pirates of the Caribbean, those boats are going right in front of the restaurant. And it's just this whole different. It's a whole different feel to that Pirates of the Caribbean than 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 ours here. Uh, as Corey mentioned, New Orleans Square, the entire land of New Orleans Square, not mm-hmm. something that we have here. What else? What else would you well, say to people? I think I think one of the big things is when you first walk in to Disneyland Park, and after you go uh, under the tunnels, and you see their Main Street. Just the the level of detail and ornateness, if that is a word, to everything is just so much better. And like, uh, not that our main street is bad in any way. It just lacks that same care and time that was put into it. Like the gas lanterns that are all up and down their main street. Like that's it's such a great little touch. There's all those nice little touches in Disneyland that just kind of seem lost whenever it got translated over here. Well, I think in terms of our Magic Kingdom. They went for epic yeah. in scope, whereas in the Disneyland park they went for intimacy. 
Mm-hmm. Yes, and there's something very quaint about the entire experience of that park. See, I I, I, I agree with you, uh, but I feel like intimate is a better word than quaint. Uh, quaint, I think, almost undersells it for me. Um, but there's an intimacy to it. Now, I joke around all the time about the castle, uh, and I'm not going to do that. I'm not, well, maybe a little. I'm not going to do that. But uh, in 1955, that was a huge castle. That was, in, well, and also was that was castle. what... Yeah. That was what they could afford to build. Right. Well, there, there were two purposes for, two different purposes for Sleeping Beauty Castle and Cinderella Castle. Sleeping Beauty Castle, Walt did not want it visible from outside the park. And so it had to be in scale with the five-eighths roughly size of Main Street. He didn't want Main Street overwhelmed by the castle, but he didn't want you to see anything of Disneyland until you entered it. Whereas, and, and then and then the castle would draw you down Main Street into the hub and the four realms. Well, Disney World was very different. Walt purposely wanted the park in the back of the property so that you would have to travel to it. And, you know, what he called the weenie, that visible sign that would draw you in, he needed that that had to be visible from a great distance. And that's why Cinderella Castle is so large, hmm. because you have to see it from a great distance, and and it draws you in. That's a really good point. So I, I guess all that, that went out the window when they built the Matterhorn, though, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> but they had to build it in scale to the castle, right? so that it didn't overwhelm the castle. One thing that I do really like about the castle in Disneyland is it has an attraction aspect mm-hmm. to it mm-hmm. that we lack here. There's that walk-through uh, storybook window thing that they tour that you can take. Well, it's the, tour, it's mm-hmm. the story of uh, Sleeping, Sleeping Beauty, Beauty. right? Right, exactly. So you get you get the story of the person that supposedly inhabits the castle. We absolutely lack that here. We have a tiled mural, which is very bu- beautiful, of Cinderella as you walk through the castle, and that's you know when during the times that they allow you to walk through the castle. Um, you can get your hair done. You, you can get your hair did um, at the castle, but you know it's not. There's no attraction factor to it. You're paying money to eat there, or you're paying money to you know get, get fixed done. up. So um, I actually really love that about the Disneyland Castle. That walkthrough, that mm-hmm. walkthrough through Sleeping Beauty Castle is incredible. It is such a great addition and such a great experience. And they recently redid that. Right, mm-hmm. a few years ago. A few years ago. And again, you know, we, we talk about it. We talk about it often. The commitment to legacy that is present there, and you just mentioned it, Tom, in terms of the cast members in particular. Right, right. Uh, you really see it. You really see it in a way that I don't see it here. And, you know, I'm not going to get into the whole college program thing and temporary help and all that stuff. Um, but that's not a real factor. That's not as big a factor out in California as it is here. So you have these people who grew up with this that feel a sense of pride and ownership mm-hmm. in this park. When you say that if something's wrong, the fans are going to let them know. Yep. And you know what? They are petrified of that. They are scared of the fans because they know they make. They know that if the fans ever abandon them, they're going to have a really hard time running that park. Because, like I said, it's a locals park. What else? What else in terms of differences and and things that you would point out to people, the, uh, Mr. Rhino? The foliage. I immediately notice it's very and lush the concrete. There. You, you know. You really? Well, I was going to bring that up <laughs> later, but we can get into that now if you want. The pavement is beautiful, <laughs> but no, it's just this was your first time there, right? Right? It was. Okay. It and I 
I went in thinking I've always been like well having been a cast member for so long that I thought well I'll obviously go to Disneyland at some point because we could get them for free and you know I gotta go there it's the original I felt more obligated but when I went there it just changed my thought I was just like how am I gonna get the rest how am I gonna get my mom out here you know how am I gonna bring Eli out here like you know, I just wanted to bring everybody there because when you're there it just you feel like we talk about smaller and intimate it just feels like you're getting a little hug from Disney you know himself like it's a little it's very <laughs> getting a little hug you know, like oh hey how are you today a little hug um, and I okay Disney's hugging you he's talking to Kathy do I, just, I do I have to add mental health insurance to the plan or? I think you do but 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 seriously, when you when you walk in, I immediately notice there's a lot of trees. There's a lot of shade. It, I know it's California, so the weather is much more enjoyable there than here. But it just I, I don't I don't know. It felt a lot more alive for that reason. Maybe a little less plastic. It, it was the sh- you know it's the show pony, like it's it's the out front and beautiful thing. I don't know. Okay. Well, I'll tag on to his because I don't want to say it was a religious experience for me, but it was a very moving experience to go back to Disneyland because as a a Disney fan, you know, living here, we see, you know, rides and we know that there's differences between here and California. But to go out there and see where it all started, what Walt's idea became as a Disney fan you just have to think as you're going down the street, what if you would have never thought of this? Where would we all be? And I think I thought of that as I was, <laughs> you know, going through there. You, you see every little thing that he thought of, and, you know, you referred to it. I, said, I, I almost felt like what Walt was walking down the street with me. You, can, you could feel his presence that you don't feel here. You know that he had the ideas for Walt Disney World, but out there to see how it all started and how it captured everybody's hearts and you know imagination and creativity it's it's like going back to well you know i uh, i often think that from taking his daughters to griffith park in los angeles to ride a carousel and sitting there having the idea there should be some place where a father can take his kids and they can all have fun together rather mm-hmm. than him sitting on the sidelines watching them. That was the idea. And it changed the world. Mm-hmm. And that's not hyperbole. No, it changed it the world. Look at how Disney, the name, the brand, the company, the theme parks, the movies, the merchandise, you name it, how integrated that has become in our culture over the last 60 years. Globally. Globally, because he had an idea, and look what happened. So yeah, when you talk about how things, how that that innovation and that idea changed everything, I mean it's it's stunning. But I do want to talk to you, Michael, um, in, in terms of some of the history uh, behind uh, Disneyland, and some of that history is your own. Oh, a little. You want to yeah. kind of tell people? Want to tell people what your little brush with greatness there was? Oh, um, well, we all we all know that if you watch the video of the 1955, you know, July 17th opening of Disneyland, it was televised, which was the very first time live telecast 
of that magnitude had ever been done. And if you ever get to see the original, because they've since cut out portions of it, I mean, you see all the errors and mistakes and things that went on. But um, one of the things that were introduced was the Mouseketeers. Well, the Mickey Mouse Club was not introduced until um, that fall. So people watching this, watching the opening of Disney on television, had no idea who are these Mouseketeers? And even one of the commentators, if you ever get to see the original cut, they even questions, "What are these?" And so, uh, what are these? and I don't, I don't think it, it, it is children. now in the official, um, it, now in the official version that's out there. But Walt always, one of Walt's ideas for the Mickey Mouse Club was that it would. It would be generational, and that the club would run its course for one generation, but that there would be new clubs as like time Minuto. went on. So, yeah, <laughs> yes, that's right. Without so, the sexual abuse, yeah. <laughs> so when the Tencennial rolled around, which is what they called the 10th anniversary of the park, and really the first one that had a big celebration, Walt thought maybe it's time to bring back the club because it was there uh, you know, an opening day. So uh, a, a band of, of, of children and, and young teens were were rounded up, and, and we became Mouseketeers. I was one of them. And we performed. Um, w- we went through all the routines at the studio. We were studio employees, not Disneyland employees. And we prepared as if we were going to be on a televised um show of the Mickey Mouse Club and one of the things that and when we did a lot of PR things um, went to hospitals things like that and we performed at Disneyland at the Tomorrowland stage that sort of that was in the area of where like the magic well now it's called the Tomorrowland Theater and Space Mountains located there was an outdoor theater there and so we performed some of our routines as a short show but also the neat thing was is that they would have the original Mouseketeers as, as our special guests um, perform with us so we got to meet a lot of the original so did you meet Ines Funicello? Yes. <gasps> wow. Yeah, I mean, very <gasps> briefly. I think I met, I remember meeting her at the studio where she just was very sweet and gave us a pep talk and, and all of that. Oh she God. was there for something else and then, but stopped by. And then she was there on stage as well. But then we didn't have a lot of time to talk to them. But, but um, yeah, we saw some. One of the Mouseketeers was a consultant for <laughs> our show, one of the original ones. And and anyway, so we, we performed. I mean, yeah, we did meet Walt Disney on, on a couple of occasions. Wow. He, he spoke with us. Very nice, very warm, warm man and, and all that. We would just sort of see him, you know. I, I, I got in trouble a couple of times at the studio because there's this um, tunnel that runs beneath the... Um, the between I think ink and paint and animation and animation yeah we've been in that tunnel on the tour and um, it was it was it was sort of a catch-all place when I was young but when we when we had the when we would roam the park or roam the studio we would play hide and go seek or whatever we weren't supposed to be doing we found that and um, we would hide in there and we would get in trouble and all that stuff <laughs> and um, and then we would ride the bicycles all over the place not realizing you know people left them there for a purpose and, um, and but anyway but so yeah so we got to meet Walt uh, on a few occasions now, and, oh, when was your first visit to Disneyland 
What year? Oh, um, let's see, uh, 1956. Wow. Yeah, so, year, and I don't remember it, of course. I've been told that was my first <laughs> visit. <laughs> so, but in terms of conscious memory, when do you remember? How, how old were you? I probably, I think I was about, I, I remember it about four, four wow. years old. So it really has been your entire life. Yeah, it has been. Now, and we grew up watching it, you know, on TV. On TV. But, but we, I should probably explain why we're the Forgotten Club, in that we went through the Tencennial and all of that, and then um, when the Tencennial, it wasn't a year and a half thing. Um, you know, it ended at the end of the summer, and and it, it had been it, it had been a, a, a number of months, and we of course started you know, the year before um, performing and getting ready and all that. And then it was just sort of over and we were done and uh, without any real explanation. And it wasn't until many years later when I was talking with Musketeer Bobby and he said, oh, do you want to know the story behind? You don't know what what happened? And I said, no. And apparently he was, um, there was a meeting and he, he gave me a name that I guess he felt at, at nine I should know but um, and it was a woman that I guess was in charge of television programming something for the studio at the time and they they had a meeting over what do we do with the club and it was the decision was made that it would be cheaper to re-syndicate the original club in 30 minute segments because originally ran an hour um, than to redo the club huh. and bring a new club on television and, and syndicate it so that's what happened to us it was a financial hmm. came down to financial but then they did carry you were on with, we were canceled <laughs> so but they did carry on with Walt's dream of of, uh, of bringing back every generation because in the 70s there was a new club and then in the 80s there was another club now Tom yeah. when when was your first visit to Disneyland um I would say, I, I don't remember it but I probably when I was maybe six, seven. But, and you know, Michael and I both have kind of the advantage of being a few hours away from Disneyland, so we're still tourists. Mm-hmm. Um, but know, close I, enough to get there when you want. Close enough to get there when we want, yeah. Um, but I don't, I mean, we went through high, several times through high school when I was growing up, but I didn't start going regularly until my wife and I started dating, and that was kind of our, that was our thing. Going to Disneyland on the weekend, going driving, driving four hours, leave at four o'clock in the morning, drive down there, get to rope drop, stay through fireworks, drive home. Oh, wow! Yeah. Long day. Yeah, <laughs> but that was what we did. That was our, you know, that was, that your was, thing. That was our thing. So, so specifically to the two of you, um, being, I mean, true experts on Disneyland, you're there all the time. You have for your entire lives, basically, have been visiting that park. What do you feel Disneyland offers? And this is not about trashing Magic Kingdom here, but what do you feel Disneyland offers that we don't here in Orlando? What do you think the the draw is? Trying to say say to somebody who goes to Disney World, what you know, why should they go to Disneyland? You know, it, it's 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 funny i think Corey said this when we were recording the show it's it's the same but completely different in that um you know you think that oh we already have the magic kingdom 
in Florida, so why go to Disneyland? But it's a completely different Magic Kingdom from its history, its ambiance. The attractions are different. Um, we have attractions that you that aren't out here. We have shops that are, mm-hmm. are but memories um, here uh, out here at the Magic Kingdom. We, you know, our Main Street is still a bunch of individual shops. Mm-hmm. It's not one long emporium. Uh, we, you know, we our pirates, as you said, is much grander and, and elaborate. You know, you were never meant to have pirates out here, but because the guests um, complained were the pirates, it was shoehorned <laughs> in, in into a place that was never meant to be, and hmm. and so you were going to get Western River Expedition that was Mark Davis's creation, and uh, and then so. Um, and again, it's it's there's a lushness to it. There's a beauty. There's an in, in, intricate detail to the park that, to me, is missing from the Magic Kingdom out here. It's almost even like a I fullness. Wouldn't mm-hmm. you say there's just something more full about it? Even the the attractions that we have that you all have, yours just seem more full in some ways. I think a small world. The beautiful ex- facade we have. For example, mm-hmm. yes, the yeah. out the outside structure of it. But then even on the inside, I mean, this has been a more recent thing where they've added the Disney characters into the ride, but they've done it so tastefully with the, the Mary, uh, is it Mary, Mary Blair, Blair yeah. style yeah. of it. Um, it just gives it something that seems a little bit more full. The Pirates, it just seems more full to me. I can't think and of a better word for it than just full. I want to just uh, talk about from the standpoint of a, a Walt Disney World person mm-hmm. who visits Disneyland. Um, something I had said to Rhino, and I've said it many times to people as we've we've gone out to do these trips, that you will fall in love with Disneyland, but it will also make you want to get home and go visit our Magic Kingdom too. Mm-hmm. Um, I I look, I love the Magic Kingdom here. I love it. Uh, it is it's that's my park. That's my park. That's my home. Um, I'm going to visit a wonderful place. But my point being is that these two things don't detract from each other. It's not an either or. No. Mm-hmm. They're, they, they're so complementary in the experience. And I think Rhino even you know, said that, that you know, at first he thought I was kind of crazy. Um, but then when he got home, it was, yeah, I kind of want to be back in my magic kingdom. Now, Will, I want to talk to you a little bit. This was also your first trip. Yep. To Disneyland, and what was what was that being in that park? What was that experience like for you? It was great. Um, I loved the parks. I loved how close everything is uh, in Disneyland. You know, you don't have to have a car when you no. like when you're, you can walk everywhere. You can walk everywhere. So, um, for me, the attention to detail in Disneyland Park was something um, you know I really appreciated. Things I didn't feel as overwhelmed walking down Main Street. I kind of at Disneyland. Maybe it's just the buildings being shorter. The intimacy is really there. Me and Corey sat on the the porch one afternoon and that and just kind of hung Street. out there for a minute. And that was really cool. Um, never done that in the world. So I think that if you love Disney World, there's no way you can go wrong going out to Disneyland, and you're just gonna Good love point. it that yeah. much more. So if you appreciate World, there's no way you can deny. Disneyland, and and you'll you'll appreciate it, hundred percent. I I agree with you, and you know that experience of there's a there's a specific spot on Main Street in Disneyland 
where you can sit in a rocking chair on the yeah. porch and just kind of watch the people go yeah. by. I don't believe we have that. We have something like that in Liberty Square, but yeah. obviously that's not the same. No, it's not no, the same no. sitting on Main Street. Um, all right. So the whole point behind this entire slate of shows that we're going to be doing <laughs> this week is to talk about the 60th anniversary of Disneyland and everything that's coming up. So I want to talk about what is coming to the Disneyland Park Okay. for the 60th anniversary. Why don't you give us a... An overview of that, Tom. Okay, what's today? May twenty second. Okay, so a couple weeks ago, they added a. They're, they're doing little minor upgrades to some of the attractions. Let's start with there. Um, we got a new Hatbox Ghost, which has been long rumored. Long um, at the haunted mansion. In the haunted mansion. Sorry, uh, fan favorite, kind of a cult kind of thing. They finally got the technology where they can do it right. Michael, it was in what a couple months maybe before the when it. When Hunter Mansion opened, oh yeah, not even that long. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it was. They just couldn't get the, it to work. Yeah, where the bride is, he was directly across from the bride mm-hmm. when the mansion first opened, and what it's the same kind of effect. It was a Pepper's Ghost effect, as in like the ballroom of the mansion, where it was the hatbox ghost, and he had his cane where his little hand was shaking, and he carried a hatbox, and in time to the heartbeat, if you remember the original bride, the, she had that beating heart, it, it was synchronized with that, so as the heart, her heart would beat, what's supposed to happen is then his head on his shoulders would disappear and reappear in the hatbox. It didn't quite work for a variety of reasons, when it, there were lighting issues, uh, the omnimovement movers were just too close for the effect to work well so after a very short time he was pulled from the mansion unceremoniously and um disappeared he was just hidden because there's still 999 (laughs) ghosts Uh, oh is that the official line that is the official line yes that's how the official so we're getting we we have that now uh today i believe matterhorn bobsleds reopens with some new animatronics new new yetis um, and then their yetis will hopefully work. Yeah. <laughs> Don't count They're on smaller. it. Um, and then coming in July, a new update to Peter Pan with some new magic there. But the big thing at Disneyland is we are getting a nighttime electrical parade and a new fireworks show. This is a new parade too. This right. is, well, this is this was um, created in conjunction with the Paint the Night Parade at Hong Kong. Okay. Um, uh, but we are getting we are getting some new floats, some special floats for us. Uh, they have created a homage to the electrical parade, and so the opening parade, opening float is a drum, a huge drum with "Paint the Night" electrical parade underneath. Um, we are also getting a frozen float that the Hong Kong parade doesn't have. Mm-hmm. But this parade is it's just intense lights and. LEDs and, and it, it'll and be interactive. Interact- if it's like the Hong Kong one, they have paint brushes that light up, but they can use it in order to change the colors on the float and to change other guests' um, like the, colors the, of the, their paint brushes. The made with magic ears, the glow with the show mm-hmm. ears. Those will be interactive. Oh wow! There's also an app, a, a smartphone app that interacts with the parade that's coming out. Well, that should be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> It's your but. first step toward my Disney experience. <laughs> yeah. No. no. Um, yes. <laughs> yes. Nice. But this, this just—it's going to be huge. Uh, they called it the—it's more technologically advanced than World of Color, is what they were selling. Wow. Us. Yeah. No doubt. But now, yeah. also, isn't there a uh, projection show? 
that's the fireworks show. The fireworks show. The, our new fireworks show called Disneyland Forever is going to be inter- immersive is the word they're using because they are doing projections all over the park. Um, used to, you know, you would see projections on Sleeping Beauty Castle or on Small World, but now we are getting projections on the Matterhorn. We're getting projections on Main Street. They're borrowing wow. the uh, the water screens from Fantasmic and putting projections there. Wow, uh, that sounds incredible. Yeah. What's nice is they're going to spread out the the guests, spread yeah. out the crap. and every but also in every make realm it it's different. Too. Yeah. The projections are different, so it means, you know, Disney fans, they're going to have to see it everywhere. In every location. Do you want want spoilers or no spoilers? I don't know. Do we want spoilers? Spoilers. Just put in a spoiler alert. All right, so spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. If you don't want to hear this, if you don't want to hear this, just fast forward until I'm... Doing that again. <laughs> okay, I'll give you two things. The opening. Proje- that do- I'm sorry, that doesn't help our audio. Our, our, our audio. <laughs> my hand. I'm just realizing. He'll nod his head when you hear the. We talked about this on our show, and so I, I, the spoilers are out there. But the opening of the show is with the projections on Main Street, some diamonds, and then all of a sudden, the projections on Main Street are orange groves coming oh. up from the ground. Oh, neat. Yeah, so... Wow. Which is what Disneyland... Yeah. That area was. It was Orange Groves. Orange Groves, yeah. So, uh, the other spoiler is that in addition to um, Tinkerbell flying, we'll also see Nemo swimming across the sky. Hmm. Wow. Cool. And yeah, the, because and he's the, out of his water, so yeah, he's and flailing. And they're, and, they're, <laughs> and they're turning the... And they're turning the Matterhorn into the mountain from Finding Nemo whose name I shall not say. It's like, not want to huck a loogie or something. Want to huck a loogie? Yeah. Okay, yeah, that so, must be it. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I think the, I mean, like, they're really pulling out all the stops. Yes. yes. For the and that's just what's happening at the Disneyland Park. We'll mm-hmm. get to uh, California Adventure later in the week and what's going on there. But, uh, I mean, this is a resort-wide thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's right. stuff going on everywhere. And uh, they've they've da- bedazzled the castle. And yes, and the castle looks gorgeous. Like that yeah, word. it does. No, yeah. I'm, yeah. they they. I think they did. I know some people were were not happy with what they did. Um, I thought it looked absolutely beautiful. I thought it was really tasteful and elegant. Well, they changed they the color scheme of the park. It's dark blues now and silvers. Um, the awnings in New Orleans Square and the umbrellas like a Cafe Orleans, have been changed oh, to that really? color. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I just noticed that this past weekend. But yeah, um, the banners... Bunting, yeah, the banners and buntings all over the park. Uh, yeah, all in that dark, very rich, bl- royal blue I love that color. color mm-hmm. And love silver bunting. and white. And uh, and in the, in the banners, there's diamonds, so it gives it that sparkly look to it. Not real diamonds, but you know what I mean. And, yeah, um, really, people be climbing up there. <laughs> so so it's interesting. I mean, even I, I posted a photo last week where even the flowers in Town Square, they have those blue and white delphiniums that match the new bunting all up and down Main Street, the, the, hmm. that beautiful silver and blue bunting. I just wish they would have made the castle like into a cake. You know, oh, that would have been so classy. Be you would have heard there. You would have heard the yeah, locals yeah. Um, up, rise up. All right. So um, Rhino has uh, put together this phenomenal 
video for us, uh, an overview of the Disneyland Park, and uh, I I think you're you're really going to enjoy it. I, I fell in love with this video. I thought he did an amazing job with it. And we are going to close out with that. So we hope you enjoyed it, and we'll be back with you again next time with another edition of the Diz Unplugged. Thanks for being with us, everyone. And remember, go to Disneyland. Here's Rhino's video. <laughs>